Welcome to Ari Kiev's Trading to Win, the podcast focused on helping traders to maximize their potential. I guess it's fair to say that I've been dealing with stress in the markets for a number of years, and, and so most of my books have talked about stress. I thought it was time to write one that was totally focused on the issues of stress, trying to define it and what some of its characteristics were and how people could deal with it, how it manifested itself in terms of changing behavior uh, in the markets, uh, how under stress people tend not to uh, follow their strategy, they tend to uh, play defensively, uh, they tend to hold on to losers, they don't get bigger in their higher conviction ideas, and they're basically not as centered or as focused as they are when things are going well. So stress actually throws you off balance. So it manifests itself in a variety of, of trading uh, behaviors, and uh, to the extent that the individual gets a handle on that, they're better suited to uh, going back to uh, following their strategy and and making money in a in a way that's uh, proven effective in the past. I'd say this year and in the last several months, uh, the market has been very much driven by sentiment and macro events and the usual fundamental analysis, which tends to give people an edge, hasn't really been working. So even when the the analysis suggests the company is a good long. Uh, the, the markets don't follow through. There aren't enough buyers. There aren't enough sellers. Uh, there's a lot of volatility, emotionality, and irrationality, and uh, people are being uh, uh, taken out of their game uh, quite consistently. And you're seeing this in terms of redemptions, in terms of hedge funds closing down, in terms of poor performance uh, throughout the industry. I think the, uh, the principles that apply to professionals apply to uh, the ordinary investor. Obviously, dealing with smaller sums of money and perhaps less risk, but I, I think some of the principles are the same, that, that uh, the individual who's investing his own money has got to uh, be very cognizant of the natural inclination of most people to hold on to losing positions, hoping against hope that things are going to turn around, and taking more risk in losing situations than they're inclined to take in winning situations. person's got to be aware of this and really uh, make corrections for it in terms of getting out of uh, situations where he's losing money or uh, getting bigger when things are working and there still is a reason to believe that there's still more upside in, in, the, uh, in the opportunity. So the, the principles are the same. The, the psychological underpinning of buying and selling stocks uh, is pretty universal for both the amateur and the professional. Professional may have a little more uh, savvy savviness and a little more uh, support uh, and infrastructure and a risk manager and various other people that may help them in managing their books to make sure that the volatility on the long and the short side are equivalent or that the beta is matched on the long and the short side. So they're getting more support. Uh, they're taking bigger risks. Uh, they're, they're held to a higher standard. But the principles are the same. And, and that is that people are inclined to, to hold on to losers because they don't want to admit they're wrong. Uh, they hope things are going to get better. And, and they allow 
their sentiment and their uh, their emotion to to govern their decisions as opposed to uh, objective factors. The same thing in terms of winning. You, you've got to be able to say, look, this is working, and to the extent that I know that the bulk of my profits in the course of a year are probably going to be in a very small number of my trades, when something is working, I've got to identify that and really have the moxie to, uh, to get bigger and take more risk uh, when the opportunity uh, uh, calls upon me to take it. Some people would argue that they're under more pressure when they're trading other people's money than when they're trading their own. It's probably very subjective and very individual. Uh, in both instances, the critical thing is when you start off the beginning of the year, you're flat uh, and you're, you've got just so much capital to risk. As you make money and you build up a cushion of profitability, you have a little more risk capital to put at risk for taking bigger bets. Uh, and, and this would hold for uh, an individual as well as for uh, somebody that was, uh, you know, a professional. So th the critical thing is what's your, your profit and loss statement at a particular point in time? And if you've, you've made some profit, you've got a little more leeway to take a little bit more risk. If you've uh, not built up any profit or you're, you're in a job situation where you have what's called a down and out, the number at which you've lost so much that they shut your portfolio down, so your, your job's at risk, you can't take uh, bets as big. Uh, you've got to uh, be hitting singles and doubles and not going for home runs, and you've got to kind of build up slowly but surely, incrementally, uh, some profitability in order to be able to, you know, build a cushion and have more money to put at risk. I think the, 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 the utilization of, of, of stress-reducing techniques, you, you can use standard techniques that are used, you know, throughout uh, uh, psychiatry and psychology. The critical point I would make is that when you're in the middle of the stress of a, of a stressful market, and it's beginning to interfere with your concentration and your decision-making and your sense of panic and, and so forth, it's very hard at that moment to start applying these principles. So I strongly recommend that people begin to practice some kind of visualization, relaxation, deep breathing exercise, yoga, meditation. It could be any one of a number of things and do that on a regular basis so they're able to create so-called relaxation response. Uh, they're able to get centered and they're able to kind of be in a relatively calm state where they can see things objectively and not overreact and overinterpret the meaning of events. When you're anxious and you're stressed, you tend to overreact to neutral stimuli and begin to think catastrophically. And then uh, your reaction to the events and your reaction to your own bodily responses tends to escalate your, your anxiety and make matters worse. Uh, the more you can learn to stay cool, calm, and collected and get back into that state, uh, the more effective you can be. So if you practice that on a regular basis until you can become centered, you know, with a, a, a one-minute visualization or exercise, then in the middle of the stressful day, you can kind of tune out, 
calm down and begin to look at things in a more objective way. And I think that's the critical thing. It's very easy to buy a stock and sell a stock, and it looks a lot easier to do and to succeed at than it really is. It really takes a lot of work. The individual has got to really assess his own ability to be profitable in doing this and not just simply do it for egotistical reasons or because he wants to be in control of his destiny. He's got to decide whether he really has an appetite for this and a willingness to do the kind of work that's required. At the same time, there's value in understanding the complexity of it and how it affects people who are trading so that if indeed you invest with somebody and you have a chance to talk to them and see how they're managing your money, you've got a little bit more understanding of the kinds of issues they're going through and you can uh, vet their performance and their response and their attitude and see whether they've got a strategy, whether they're dealing with the volatility in the market and the uncertainty in the market and whether they're paring down their portfolios and not taking too much risk because they don't really have a handle on what's going on. I mean, that, that becomes another way of managing your own money in, in that you, you have a little bit more understanding of who the people are that are managing your money if you've de- uh, delegated it to somebody else. Are they managing it well? I just read five minutes ago about some fund that blew up and shut down. And uh, the guy who was running this particular biotech book had been in two or three different funds before. And, uh, you know, you, you, you've got to uh, assess the uh, the performance of the individual who's running your money, what his track record's been, how he's handling it. You know, if he's giving you a lot of rationalizations, well, it's a tough market and we're dealing with binary events and uh, he's giving you a lot of theory and uh, rationalization, uh, he may very well not have a handle on it. And he may not be adequately handling the portfolio in a risk-managed way. He may not be running a balanced portfolio. He may not be hedging out the market risk by balancing longs against shorts and so forth. The more you know, uh, uh, the more you can uh, make intelligent judgments about the people you're giving your money to to manage. We're really talking about a very time-intensive activity, and it may very well be that if you've got another kind of job or another kind of career, it's pretty hard to do the kind of work that people who are doing this for a full-time, as a full-time job or kind of time they're putting in. In a hedge fund uh, where you've got a range of people handling different sums of money, uh, you, you're able to compare how much money somebody is putting at risk now as compared to how much they were putting at risk uh, in the past. How much money are they running? Let's say they're running uh, $25 million or they're running 50 or $100 million. The question is, if that's their buying power, how much of their capital are they using? I find there are some people who are very perfectionistic. They want 90% of the information about a company, and therefore they do a tremendous amount of work, and they oftentimes don't get into a position in time, and by the time they've done all the work, the stock has already moved and they miss the opportunity. Their extreme perfectionism keeps them from pulling the trigger and getting in sooner with, say, 70% of the information they need or 60% of the information they need. So they may not be using all of their capital. That's not an uncommon conversation about what do you need to do to be able to take more risk 
and you may need to be willing to take your bets with less certainty about the uh, certainty of the uh, of the outcome of the of the idea. Other people are a little more impulsive and are quick to get in and maybe take too much risk. So they've got to notice that and maybe pull back a little bit and be a little more constrained. Each person's got a different combination of things. Uh, they may be too thorough and too cautious. They may be too urgent. They may be very bright, but uh, don't have much tolerance or patience waiting to do the work. You want to understand what the personality profile is and how that may color the way in which an individual functions. The usual parameter is to suggest that an individual probably has a 10% position, 10% of his buying power could be in his highest conviction idea. So if he's running $100 million, he could have a $10 million position in his highest conviction idea. You would want to see him have a few 10% positions, a few 7% positions, maybe a few 5% positions, and so forth. In a difficult market such as we're in now, you might suggest that he pare down the number of low conviction ideas, which he has as placeholders, where he's waiting for more information, but he may be losing money in those. That's kind of a, a general guideline. It's going to vary from firm to firm, but, but that's kind of one way of, of looking at somebody. Do you have enough confidence in your ideas to be able to put on a 10% position? Do you have some sense of the catalysts that are going to unlock the value and a path to getting paid? Do you have some kind of profit target and a way of getting to that profit target? Are you sizing your positions commensurate with that kind of analysis? That's kind of the way you would start to decide as to whether the individual is taking enough risk. If a guy has just a lot of 2% positions, 62% positions, he may make a lot of money, but he doesn't have any high conviction ideas. He's, he's playing a different sort of game. That's fine, too. Each individual's got to find that style of trading uh, that's consistent with the way he, he's most comfortable doing it. There is no one way of doing it. It's very, very individual. It's very much a signature activity. Now, sometimes uh, people have tremendous statistics, and it's fair to say they could take more risk and even allow their statistics not to be so good. They don't have to have such a high sharp ratio. Uh, sometimes they have a sharp ratio of 3, 3.2. Uh, maybe they don't need one. That's a risk-adjusted rate of return. Maybe they don't need that much, and, and maybe they can take a little more risk. But again, they may be very cautious and very thorough and very precise, and that's a style that, that's reflective of their personality. Dr. Ari Kiev is an internationally respected authority on the psychology of trading. You can subscribe to his bi-monthly podcast full of real-world advice on how to maximize your trading potential at www.arikiev.com.